This episode of the OrthoBullets podcast will go over the topic of jersey finger from the hand section on orthobullets.com. A jersey finger refers to an avulsion injury of the FDP from the insertion at the base of the distal phalanx. Again, a jersey finger refers to an avulsion injury of the FDP from its insertion at the base of the distal phalanx. This is considered a zone 1 flexor tendon injury. As far as the epidemiology, the ring finger in a jersey finger is involved in 75% of cases. Keep in mind that during grip, the ring fingertip is 5 millimeters more prominent than other digits in approximately 90% of patients. Therefore, the ring finger is exposed to a greater average force than other fingers during pull-away. As far as the pathophysiology of a jersey finger, the FDP muscle belly is in maximal contraction during forceful DIP extension. As far as the pathophysiology of a jersey finger, this pathology is caused when the FDP muscle belly is in maximal contraction during a forceful DIP extension. As far as relevant anatomy, the muscles involved include the flexor digitorum profundus, which is innervated by the ulnar nerve and the anterior interosseous nerve. And as far as flexor zones, keep in mind that zone 1 extends from the insertion of the FDS distally, and therefore a jersey finger is a zone 1 flexor tendon injury. As far as the classification of a jersey finger, the one to know is the Letty and Packer classification, which is based on the level of tendon retraction and presence of fracture. There are five types in the Letty and Packer classification. In type 1, the FTP tendon is retracted to the palm and leads to disruption of the vascular supply. The treatment of a type 1 Letty and Packer jersey finger is prompt surgical treatment within 7 to 10 days. In type 2 jersey fingers, the FTP retracts to the level of the PIP joint. As far as treatment, you should attempt to repair this within several weeks for optimal outcome. A type 3 jersey finger is a large avulsion fracture that limits retraction to the level of the DIP joint. And as far as treatment, you should attempt to repair within several weeks for optimal outcome. A type 4 jersey finger involves an osseous fragment and simultaneous avulsion of the tendon from the fracture fragment. This is known as a double avulsion with subsequent retraction of the tendon, usually into the palm. With respect to treatment of type 4 jersey fingers, if the tendon is separated from the fracture fragment, first fix the fracture via ORIF, then reattach the tendon as for a type 1 or a type 2 injury. Finally, a type 5 jersey finger involves a ruptured tendon with bone avulsion with bony comminution of the remaining distal phalanx. Keep in mind that a type 5A is extraarticular and a type 5B is intraarticular. As far as the presentation of a jersey finger, on physical exam, patients may have pain and tenderness over the volar distal finger. The finger typically lies in slight extension relative to the other fingers in the resting position. There is no active flexion of the DIP in these patients, and you may be able to palpate the flexor tendon retracted proximally along the flexor sheath. As far as imaging, on radiographs you may see an avulsion fragment. Treatment of a jersey finger is typically operative, and options include a direct tendon repair or tendon reinsertion with a dorsal button, ORIF of the fracture fragment, a two-stage flexor tendon grafting, or DIP arthrodesis. Indications for a direct tendon repair or tendon reinsertion with a dorsal button is for an acute injury, which is defined as an injury less than three weeks old. As far as the technique, remember that advancement of greater than one centimeter of the tendon carries the risk of a DIP flexion contracture, otherwise known as the quadriga effect. Postoperative rehabilitation should include either 
early passive-assisted range of motion, otherwise known as the Duran Protocol, or a dynamic splint-assisted passive range of motion, otherwise known as the Kleinert Protocol. ORIF of the fracture fragment in a jersey finger is indicated for types 3 and 4. In type 4 injuries, if the tendon is separated from the fracture fragment, first fix the fracture via ORIF, then reattach the tendon as for type 1 or type 2 injuries. As far as techniques for ORIF fracture fixation, you can do this with a K-wire, a mini-frag screw, or a pull-out wire. Make sure to examine for symmetric cascade once fixation is completed. A two-stage flexor tendon grafting is indicated for a chronic injury defined as greater than three months old in a patient with full passive range of motion of the DIP joint. Finally, a DIP arthrodesis is indicated as a salvage procedure in a chronic injury, which again is defined as greater than three months old with chronic stiffness. Complications to mention is the quadriga effect, which again happens with advancement of greater than one centimeter of the tendon, carries the risk of a DIP flexion contracture, otherwise known as the quadriga effect. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. The first question reads, An 18-year-old rugby player has had pain in his ring finger after missing a tackle one week ago. Examination reveals tenderness in the distal palm, and he is unable to actively flex the distal interphalangeal or DIP joint. Radiographs are normal. What is the most appropriate management? And the choices are 1. Acute tendon repair. 2. DIP joint extension splinting for 6 weeks. 3. DIP and proximal interphalangeal joint extension splinting for 6 weeks. 4. Buddy taping to the middle finger for 2 weeks. And 5. Early range of motion exercises and return to play as pain permits. The correct answer to this question is 1. Acute tendon repair. So the flexor digitorum profundus rupture, or a rugger jersey finger, often occurs in the ring finger after the player misses a tackle and catches the digit on the shirt of the opposing player. Surgical repair is required for zone 1 type injuries. And moving on to the final question, a 22-year-old rugby player presents with a mass at the base of his ring finger five months after sustaining an injury while making a tackle. Physical examination demonstrates a lack of active distal interphalangeal joint flexion, but full passive range of motion of all joints of the ring finger. Radiographs are normal. What is the most appropriate treatment to regain normal finger function? And the choices are 1. Excision of the palmar mass and two-stage tendon grafting. 2. Excision of the palmar mass and a single-stage tendon grafting. 3. Excision of the palmar mass and distal interphalangeal joint fusion. 4. Active silicone rod implantation. And 5. Flexor digitorum profundus repair. The correct answer to this question is 1. Excision of the palmar mass and 2-stage tendon grafting. So this patient has a chronic jersey finger, otherwise known as a flexor digitorum profundus avulsion. With the chronicity of the injury, it would be more amenable to grafting rather than direct repair given retraction of the FDP tendon that occurs with time that makes direct repair impossible. According to Green's text, active silicone tendon rod implants have not proven to be effective. A two-stage tendon grafting is the treatment of choice in cases of neglected or chronic tendon injuries or when previous surgery has failed. Two-stage flexor tendon grafting involves implanting a silicone rod, specifically a flexible silicone Dacron reinforced gliding implant, in the first stage 
and a free tendon graft, usually palmaris longus or plantaris, through the pseudosheath formed around the silicone in the second stage as initially described by Hunter and Salisbury in 1971. In single-stage flexor tendon grafting, the tendon graft notoriously adheres to the surrounding fibroosseous tunnel, significantly limiting range of motion, but in two-stage tendon grafting, the pseudosheath that is formed around the silicone implant in the first stage greatly reduces the formation of postoperative adhesions to the tendon graft in the second stage. Amadio et al. showed at six-month follow-up of stage flexor tendon reconstruction, patients expressed 54% good-to-excellent results, but 16% of patients required tenolysis following the second stage of the procedure. LaSalle et al. followed 43 flexor tendon two-stage reconstructions by comparing passive range of motion after stage 1 to post-op active range of motion after stage 2. They reported 16% excellent results, 23% good, 26% fair, and 35% poor. They stated that tenolysis following the second stage improved results on the patients reporting poor outcomes. A distal interphalangeal fusion would be reserved for failed reconstruction or a patient that does not desire slash will not be compliant with likely lengthy postoperative therapy needed for a stage tendon grafting. That's all for this review about Jersey Finger. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the OrthoBullets podcast, a daily audio review session by OrthoBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for orthopedic surgery education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on orthobullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the OrthoBullets website while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from the podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks so much, and we'll see you all tomorrow.